Ag State of Mind, Episode 1. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Ag State of Mind. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, I want to start off by talking about how excited I am that it's fall. Um, I love fall so much for a number of reasons, but obviously, for the first part, is the cooler weather. I'm so excited for this, you know, temperatures in the 70s instead of the 90s, even though we've been coming up a pretty mild summer here in Missouri. I I'm always excited when it gets to be sweatshirt weather and you go outside and there's a little bit of a chill in the air. Um, just makes me feel good. Also, I really love football season. This is a really exciting time for me. My oldest is just now starting on special teams on the varsity football team at Cuba High School. So um, kind of come full circle. It's been about 20 years since I took my first step onto a Friday night football field. So I'm super excited about what that has in store for him. I also, I mentioned this in a blog post on my blog for Ag State of Mind just the other day that I'm really excited about this time of year because it's the start of fall calving. September is usually the beginning of our fall calving season, September 1st. And I'm looking out through my office window here now and I'm seeing a few new calves that uh, have been born in the last couple of days. And I love fall calving because the weather is so much better for the cows to calve in. You know, there's no chance of snow in September, or at least not here in Missouri anyway. So that kind of takes that sort of pressure off. And uh, it's a lot less maintenance to during calving season to calve these cows out during the fall. So ideally, I think I would go to 100% fall calving, but that's something that takes some uh ultra uber management that I'm just um, not ready, quite ready for yet. So maybe one day. So, okay, on to today's topic. Today's guest is Dr. Val Farmer. Val Farmer is a clinical psychologist who specializes in rural mental health. And Dr. Farmer spent 30 years helping farm families through counseling and mediation services. He also had a syndicated newspaper column that was published for close to 28 years. He's now retired and actually just living down the road from me in suburban St. Louis. So um, we are really close and I'm excited to get to pick Val's brain because he is a wealth of knowledge and he is really the mentor I have been looking for to learn under and to have mentor me in this new found passion of mine focusing on mental health and agriculture. So so here's today's conversation with Dr. Val Farmer. This is going to be a first in probably a couple of episodes with Dr. Farmer. I want to speak to him several times in the upcoming episodes because he has so much to offer on this topic. And um, I'll probably never even scratch the surface of what he really knows. So I want to get his knowledge of this subject out in the open as much as possible. So hope everybody enjoys this today. Thank you for listening. Val, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this 
unaddressed issue a lot of times in the agriculture community speaking about mental health. And if you wouldn't mind going ahead and uh, giving me a little bit of introduction and a little bit of um, a history of your work in the field and your work with farmers and ranchers, um, I would appreciate that. Well, okay. Uh, I uh, went to the University of Arizona uh, graduate school and uh, took a degree in clinical psychology. Uh, during my uh, training, I worked with the uh, Papago Indian tribe at Sells, Arizona, and also uh, did a graduate minor in cultural anthropology. So I was kind of uh, combining uh, psychology with uh, subcultural populations in the United States. And, and also I did some work with a, a Spanish-speaking uh, clinic and as a part of my training. Uh, I had no idea that I would be working with farmers in the Midwest. I uh, had, uh, I did apply for an internship in Norfolk, Nebraska, and from a guidance of a, another uh, graduate student who had gone there, and and they accepted me, and and uh, I liked it. And I went up to Nebraska. Our family was uh, with me, uh, and. In the middle of Nebraska, I started to learn about the uniqueness of rural life and farmers and ranchers and and all of the complexity of, of uh, stress issues that would uh, bring uh, farmers and, and their families uh, into uh, mental health clinics. Was that your first experience with rural life when you moved to Nebraska? Yes, I basically, uh, I was born in Montana and uh, raised on a farm that, that our family lost in 1948 uh, to uh, a foreclosure which, uh, from the Farmers Home Administration. And this was a big family secret to me, and I didn't find it out until my father's funeral what, what the reason we moved from the farm to Great Falls was. And so this was a part of my history, but I, uh, and I had boyhood experiences on a farm, and ponies and dogs and and getting into trouble but uh, but none of none of the skills and and so being a farmer or working with farmers was uh, out of my zone our family moved from Great Falls to uh, the Seattle Tacoma area and uh, went to high school in Seattle and after that there was a foreign language mission experience and and also uh, I went to Brigham Young University uh, and, and got a degree in psychology. So that was all urban experience for me. I mean, Provo, Orem, Salt Lake, and Seattle, uh, nothing in my background had prepared me to work with rural people until I really landed in the middle of Nebraska and I understood uh, who was around me and what uh, tried to learn about the issues they were having. So tell me about those issues. What What is it about rural life that pulled you to working with these people? Or it, was it seeing their, seeing their struggles, seeing that they were dealing with things that were unaddressed? What was it? Well, I think uh, I, I boiled it down initially to four main areas that, that struck me as being different. One of them was uh, uh, farm stress or the busyness and, and uh total involvement of farmers in their work and how much work there was and how the workplace and the home place were combined and how complicated that made things for marriage and 
And, uh, and then when the finances would not be working, there would be uh, almost a uh, desperation quality to farmers as they were trying to maintain their lifestyle and their hopes and their dreams. And, and uh, the, the, the farming day could be stressful in its own right. And then you add the dimension of financial problems and it becomes quite stressful. And so I became aware of this, but at the time in the uh, mid seventies and late seventies, farmers were being judged uh, harshly by their neighbors if they went out of business because it was all management. And that was, everything was blamed on the farmer and his poor management. And so anyway, that we can get into the, the details of farm stress and how it magnified during the farm crisis years. The second area was farm marriages and how complicated they were and how uh, true partnerships in farm marriages could make farming wonderful and great. And if they didn't have a true partnership, then there were uh, rocky uh, moments uh, and uh, unhappy women in the farm. And, and, uh, and sometimes there's differences about how children should be raised and and the whole presence of farming and combining farming and marriage had its own set of challenges. Then the uh, third area was family business relationships where uh, people were uh, involved in uh, working with extended family, their immediate uh, parents or grandparents, and perhaps uh, uncles and cousins in a, in a farming business and how communication issues and, and business decisions were hard. And, and if people weren't good communicators, uh, there could be a lot of hard feelings and, and resentments and problems that would build up. Or if they didn't organize their business and to function like a business, so uh, decisions would be made on emotion or other issues. And so there, there's a lot of stress and conflict and family issues resulting from the way a family business was being run on a family farm. And then the uh, fourth area was life in rural communities and the social pressures and the uh, complexities and the intricate uh, dance and ballet of people coexisting together and, and really sharing life on an intimate level. And yet uh, uh, how, they, how they judged each other or how they tried to establish their own self-worth by by looking around themselves in their own local community. And, and so um, people uh, would tend to keep their problems to themselves and not share their, their struggles. And then they would have to work these things out as a family or as a couple or even in their own head because they didn't trust sharing their emotions or their or private feelings with other people because of the gossip. And there's a lot of other pressures that go with living in a small community. Now, I initially started, when I started my column, I wanted to communicate to the rural readers and, and to the urban readers that were reading my column that the, the rural families and rural people had a lot of strong values and uh, religious values and work ethic and, and life in a rural community has so many positives that I wanted to make sure that that message came across, that I really appreciated how uh, wonderful and valuable rural life was. And that even though I, from a mental health perspective, I was seeing the dark side or the 
underside of, of rural life. I understood why people loved it. They chose that lifestyle, why they, why they were so tied in with wanting to be there and, and the, the love that they had for, for their life. And uh, so I had to also kind of uh, establish my bona fides as far as understanding the whole picture of what rural life was about and not just the, the negatives that would tend to show up in a mental health clinic. You said something there that made me really kind of think, and maybe I didn't realize it before, but you said something about the financial, the, the, the hard times that it can bring to a marriage. In your experience, is that something that is particularly unique to the agriculture business in that the business life and the home life often intersect and are sometimes the lines there are a little bit blurred to where, you know, where the family life starts and the farm life ends? Well, they, they are blurred and, and uh, many times it's in the, uh, in the privacy of their own marriage where the, the true communication uh, either takes place or doesn't take place. But say if the farm comes through the, the male side of the family and he has a background in farming and agriculture and has a, a, a future lined out for himself uh, in his own mind or in his parents' mind or whatever, that the, the woman is coming into this environment uh, away from her own relatives, her own family, and uh, may not have the confidence level or the understanding of what agriculture is really all about. And so there's a learning curve for the, for the woman, the woman that lives on a farm, to really appreciate all of the reality of farming and how different it is from any other occupation and, and what's, what's legitimate and what isn't. And uh, some men are so uh, dedicated and, and uh, pushing t- towards their ideal, uh, having the ideal farming experience for themselves that they tend to overestimate what really needs to be done versus what they want to do. And so it takes a a woman uh, three to five years of living on a farm to understand what's real and then become a real partner. And her husband has to be a patient educator and the the mother-in-law or the parents have to be good teachers and not um, complicate her life by making her feel that she's not smart or something uh, for not knowing these things. And then there's a family culture that she has to learn and and the history, and she's kind of moving into new territory, and and it takes time. But then at, at, at some point, she can become an equal partner, and they can figure out their own priorities as a couple and to be a true uh, partnership there. It takes time, but but it's the willingness to to really be a partnership that really makes it happen. If the husband wants to run things his own way and not not have his wife a real business partner, then he can discourage that or make it difficult. And that so they never quite get on the same page when it comes to farm economics and farm scheduling and. Uh, weather and and what's a true crisis and what isn't and so and then then there's workaholism which is uh, another aspect where farmers love what they're doing so much that they they would rather do that than do a, a lot of other things that are important to family life and so there 
the family has to strike a balance of uh, what what is best for the happiness of everyone involved and, and not just the farmer having a success experience with the farm. And, uh, and so that whole thing has to be negotiated in terms of what kind of lifestyle are we really going to have and, and does it really meet the needs of everyone on the farm? And I guess the bottom line thing is that when the farm comes first, then there's problems in the marriage. And when the marriage and the family come first, then the farm is a tool or a vehicle for accomplishing bigger goals than, than just the success of the farm. The, the farm is almost uh, worshipped too much and, and is seen as a tool for the next generation to have success in life. And everything should be for the benefit of the farm. And the human considerations aren't taken into account when um, a lot of uh, decisions are being made. You said something um, kind of, when you say somebody comes off, uh, a new wife, say, comes into the farm, sometimes I think a lot of people see that as a negative, see that as something that, you know, there's a learning curve there. But in my experience, my wife, to get a little personal here, my wife did not grow up on a farm. She married me and we, um, you know, have a pretty good sized cow calf operation. And, you know, she obviously had to do some learning. But at the same time, she provided some real perspective of what it's like not being on the farm. So can you comment on that as far as, you know, having some of that fresh non-farm perspective? Well, I think it's uh, it's the, the way what women expect from marriage and, and from life. And, 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 uh, and it's different than it was 50 years ago or 70 years ago. It's uh, a better way of life to have a balanced lifestyle, to have vacations and to, to uh, have time for social activities and friends and, and to uh, uh, go out of, your, out of your way to have uh, a balanced lifestyle. And, and so a lot of the, the current generation of farmers, the young men are also absorbing those same values uh, or learning them. And they, some of them have, uh, are encouraged by their parents as they grow up to have extracurricular activities and sports and, and, and that life isn't all about farming. And, and so if they, if they grow up on their own farm or if their girlfriend has, uh, some expectations of, uh, having a normal life, even though they're on a farm, the, the, the generation of farmers expect that. They want that. And the older farmers that are running the farm think that somehow there's something wrong, that they're not dedicated enough. And, and so the, there's a kind of a clash within the family of what does it take to be a farmer? And, and the older generation may be a little skeptical that the, the younger generation can pull this more casual approach to farming off. And I think it's it's great that that the perspectives that women bring to agriculture help loosen up the farmer and help them un- understand how to really uh, instead of having this 100% focus on work as being the end all and be all of, uh, of what they want. Yeah, that's a tough. You know, you mentioned the word balance, and I'm not sure anything ever really balances out, but. You know, we give things the proper attention when they need them, I think. And I think that's an important thing to talk about, too, is, you know, to become organized. Uh, 
the young couple that's starting off in farming really come together on how they want to live their marriage and 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 they both benefit each other and actually they're bringing some new ideas into the whole family farm operation by emphasizing the relationship part of family farming the uh, marriage and the parenting and the uh, the recreational activities and spiritual activities that go with having a complete life rather than having a, a life focused too much on farming i wanted to also mention that sometimes uh, a woman can come into the family farm and be disruptive. Uh, they can uh, want a, their own little cocoon around their marriage and they don't fit into the family operation that well and they don't make an effort to get along with the mother-in-law and, and, and they don't make an effort to understand farming and they can be demanding. And so there's a, the flip side of the story of uh, a farmer loving the farm too much and not really working at the marriage. The other side of the of the coin is that sometimes women come into agriculture wanting it to be exactly the way they want it and not make any of the uh, accommodations or adjustments to a farming lifestyle. So it's, it's a huge adjustment uh, and both people have to have some basic human relationship skills in order to work out their differences and and be willing to make changes uh, to work out something that works for both individuals. So what, what you're saying is that there's a good deal of compromise, just like any other marriage, but maybe maybe even more so when it comes to farm and ranch marriages. It's, it's the whole lifestyle consideration and, and the location of the farm. And there's, there's such, it's so much more complicated than an ordinary marriage. <laughs> And, and, and it really tests the marriage right off the bat in terms of how are we going to live life and what's important. And uh, that's, that's crucial to setting up a true partnership between them throughout their marriage. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing, I think, too. It's a, it's a difficult, um, there's, there's a certain sweet spot there, I think, between man and his wife or um, and then family, you know, how much does the family get involved? How much um, do you get involved with the family as a marriage? And, you know, how independent do you want to be? And it's, there's a lot of dynamics to it that I don't think come into play in a lot of, it's just, I think it's really unique to, to agriculture. Yeah, um, I think we might need to wrap this up today because I got a little sign saying our internet connection is unstable and, and sometimes you're breaking up, at least on my end. Maybe my voice is coming across uh, clear with you, but I, I, there's so much here to talk about and I almost know too much for, for a 15-minute segment or 20 or 30 of these because uh, I've lived my whole life working with farmers and, and their families and so... It's just a, a pleasure to, to visit with you about these kinds of things. Yes, and I definitely don't want this to be the only time we do this. I want to have, I want to have a number of these, these interviews where we're talking about more specific mental health issues as they relate to farming. A um, few things that I have coming, you know, coming to mind are farm marriages specifically and um, life off the farm, what life can be after a farmer um, is done. So Val, I appreciate you coming on the show today. And if you wouldn't mind, where can we find you online? Where can we find some of your work online? 
Well, I have a website. It's it's pretty simple, uh, valfarmer.com. I'm in the process of renovating my website, but it's not renovated yet. But there's there's a lot of information there, and I'm going to try to organize it better for rural and farm audiences so they can zero right in on the kind of issue they might be having. Well, I can attest for one that there is some real valuable information there for farming families and uh, urban dwellers alike. There is some really, really good stuff on there um, as far as marriage dynamics, family dynamics, and um, just overall how to be happy. So I appreciate the work you have done. And again, I appreciate you coming on with me today and us getting to have this discussion. It was really enjoyable for me. Well, I'd, I'd be pleased to, to do this again. I, I, I enjoy the idea of what you have. I think that you uh, have a lot to offer uh, farmers in terms of uh, being a farmer and then understanding the mental health and the pharmaceutical side of, of health. And, and the farmers need to know this kind of stuff. I agree. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon, Val. All right. Great. Nice Dr. talking with you, Jason. Yes, you too. Dr. Fowl Farmer, everybody. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.